for one, welcome our new gentlemen, overlords. Who? Now that's a team I can work with. I love it. I love bringing people together. How we doing? Hey everybody, welcome to the Gentleman Overlords. I'm Andrew. I'm Max, and I'm not Robert. And no one's Robert. Robert, despite uh, suggesting that we watch this movie this week, bailed on the show. So, uh, chomp. chomp. He ran. He ran scared. He ran like a uh, shieldless alien queen harvester. <laughs> Little uh, reference for the song we'll talk about later. And that, and we we got him in the back. That's how you, that's how you get <laughs> shot him in the back, <laughs> like the brave soldiers that we are. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's just get started with some movies we've seen. Don't you forget about me. Look my way, girl. Something <laughs> breakfast. Movies we've seen. Should I play Robert's movies we've seen? Uh, segment first. Yeah. All yeah, right. Let's hear. Let's hear what he's seen. Hey guys, this is Robert with the movies we've seen segment. It's uh, like he's since here. We last recorded, I have watched Beavis and Butthead do the universe, which is a sequel mm-hmm. to Beavis and Butthead do America. It's exclusively on Paramount Plus right existed. now, I believe. Um, I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, it's essentially Beavis and Butthead uh, thinking they're going to hook up with a woman the entire time, and the entire plot is them kind of bumbling through time and space uh, to try and make that happen. Um, I haven't seen Beavis and Butthead do America in a while, but I feel like it it loomed larger in my head uh, as like a funny movie than this one. Still some laughs, but... Um, uh, I don't know, something about the animation being a little jankier back then I enjoyed more, and um, I didn't think there was any super strong reason for them to, uh, spoiler alert, jump into present day at any point in the movie. Um, but overall, what, is, what does that laughs. mean? And um, no yeah, I, I would be curious if, I wonder if there's ever been a plan to have them return in any sort of form other than a movie, if they would ever do uh, Beavis and Butthead show again. Maybe it'd be too hard to get the rights to all the music videos and things, which is uh, something I remember as a kid watching uh, them watching music videos. And I think in subsequent releases, they might not have been able to get rights for all of those. So that could be one of the problems. Um, uh, I rewatched I, I Mission I Impossible Fallout just because I was kind of in the mood for a big action flick like that. Um, still awesome. Um, up there with the Mission Impossibles for me, close to my favorite. It, that and um, Ghost Protocol, I think, might be my other fave. But Fallout's so good, and obviously it it kind of uh, it's helped by the fact that it's uh, Henry Cavill. The consequences of everything else that has happened in the series sort of coming to a head in this one. Henry Cavill so, cocking uh, his arm. Very guns. enjoyable. Glad I rewatched that. Um, I also watched The World's End which is the third film in the Coronetto trilogy from Edgar Wright. Um, Enjoyable, not my favorite of Edgar Wright's films, um, and I still need to see Last Night in Soho, but um, funny. And I just like that they... I enjoy the way that they change the roles around and have, you know, uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, for example, kind of... They're never exactly the same kind of character. Sometimes they sort of swap... Um, from Shaun of the Dead to uh, Hot Fuzz to this. So um, a fun rewatch. And um, I probably mentioned when I initially talked about it, but if you sort of look at the names of the pubs they all plan on visiting, there's definitely some connections with what happens thematically in the film uh, and kind of links up with the name of the pub. So that's a fun thing to do if you're giving it a watch. Uh, I saw Independence Day, since I knew we'd be talking about the sequel. I rewatched the original. Some Still holds up for me. Probably one of the better Roland Emmerichs. Um, some of the graphics don't really, doesn't really hold up. Uh, there's part during the space battles where it looks very computer gamey, and just in a way of like the, almost like the frame rate of the ships looks like too clean, and it looks like they were really sort of inserted in the shot. Um uh, but I really just, yeah, the, it really set a tone for, for, uh, 
really set a bar for uh, blowing up landmarks, which uh, we'll talk about later for the sequel, kind of take carries the torch uh, Will from that. We? Um, the final movie I saw, and I won't talk too much about it because it's brand new, is uh, Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. Oh, God. Saw that in the theater with Jamie. Um, thought that was really great. Uh, huh? Really? Not as, like, fantastical that, as I was assuming, maybe. I, I that's definitely had here. kind of Rocketman in my mind <laughs> when I went back in. That up. But in a way, I'm kind of glad it's uh, grounded. And I say grounded in the in the sense of a, of a Baz Luhrmann movie. It's still over the top and has anachronistic music and, you know, crazy cuts and editing, but not as wild as I assumed it could have been, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. And I just, you know, based on what I've seen of Elvis in my life and clips and videos and movies and things I've seen, uh, Austin Butler is doing an incredible job, and I wouldn't be shocked if he... I hope he would at least get a nomination for the role because I think he did a really, really good job. I mean, I know Tom um, Hanks is going to Yeah, I would definitely encourage (laughs) folks to check it out. It kind of gave me a new appreciation for Elvis. Even though he's a complicated guy, it was was a cool version of the story and surprisingly focused a lot on his promoter, uh, Colonel Tom Parker, which is played by Tom Hanks. Uh, It's a wild role. He's very cartoonish. He's probably the most outlandish thing about the whole movie. But... um, they complemented each other well, and I think it's a fun ride, and I think it's worth checking out. And that's what I've it. seen for movies. Wow. Well, yeah. You're right. I think he's exclusively not here because he cannot, he didn't want to face us saying that he saw Baz Luhrmann's Elvis in theaters. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. <laughs> he took his wife to go see Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. That's uh... Uh, and uh, soon to be ex-wife. <laughs> jamie will be hosting the pod with us going forward and uh robert your band (laughs) max what have you seen oh let's see um well i also watched the original uh independence day and have a bit of a different take than robert i don't think it holds up that well to be fair he all he said was it's one of roland emmerich's better movies which is probably (laughs) still true uh Probably. What else has he made? Did he make uh, the day after tomorrow? Like the like the the big oh God, like that one was awful. The big yeah, the big tentpole disaster movies of like the last like twenty years have all been okay. pretty much Roland Emmerich. Uh, what was that? He didn't do Evolution, right? Did he? No, that was uh, Reitman. I, Reitman. Ivan Reitman. Reitman okay. Um, all right. No, what was the fuck? What was the one with John Cusack where they're driving? They're like. Uh, out running like an earthquake 20, or something. Twenty twelve, yeah. Twenty twelve, it is. Okay, yeah. all right. Uh, yeah. Ugh. Um, it's it. It's a watchable thing, but way too far too long. And mm-hmm. I think like there's a lot of um, a lot of emphasis that's that's put on a couple of things uh, on the speech made by Bill. Today Jackson. we celebrate. Our Independence Day, Bill Pullman. Yeah, yeah, Pullman, and uh, it's not that great. It's not. It's like often referenced as being like one of the most inspirational speeches. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it is for some people. I, I don't feel like I would be inspired by uh, President Gideon. I think you need to revisit that. those lists. I think it's all uh, the most inspirational speeches from Roland Emmerich movies. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. And the rest of them are just like, hey, let's keep running. Get in the car. <laughs> get in the car. <laughs> get in the car and get in the car too. By Roland <laughs> Emmerich. Um, I also went back and watched Doctor Strange 2 since it's now streaming mm-hmm. on Disney+. Plus. Uh, I think that is one of my favorite MCU movies. Wow. It's I like, yeah, after watching it a second time, I feel a little bit more comfortable saying it was really good. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. And it's got its issues, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, I feel like most of them are forgivable considering how, how fun it was and how willing it was to do what it wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a thing that I think not everybody loves. And so I, I'm i now understanding that that there is going to be some hate for it. But um, but I like it a lot. The, the, the campiness, I guess, is what it is. Yeah that a lot of people don't like that I, I really get into. And um, yeah, still impressive how, how crazy they were able to go with uh, like making one of the main Avengers into the villain. Yeah. 
and never like walking it back, even though they're dealing with multiverses and uh, making it understandable where she's coming from, but also like, and I, I like the conclusion, if, spoilers for, for folks who haven't seen it, but the fact that they're able to wrap it up by basically just uh, putting up a mirror metaphorically and mm-hmm. saying, look what you've become essentially. And then that wraps up all of that. I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I feel like it's up there on that level of, of like first guardians, like real, real fun. I have a lot of fun with it. And yeah. I'm glad they have uh, Dr. Strange doing uh, weird magic with, with ghost dogs <clears throat> coming out of the ground mm-hmm. and biting stuff. Uh, very fun. But that's all that I've watched um andrew how about you have you seen anything give you a chance to finish that sip <laughs> i did also rewatch uh, doctor strange and the multiverse of madness and i agree with you i think like i like it i liked it more this watch through just knowing what to expect i think with the first movie <clears throat> and i did not fault the movie for this but i did see where some people might have been frustrated with it being just a doctor strange and wandavision sequel and i think that people were expecting more of it I did think it was, I, it's, yeah, I think it's like, it's so interesting. And the fact that, um, you know, visually it's a really interesting movie, but just like that, it feels the most like a filmmaker's version of a superhero movie than like any other MCU movie. Like it is a Sam Raimi mm-hmm. movie made in the MCU. And I just think like some of the stuff they do is like totally out of sync with the stuff they usually do in the MCU, you know, and like mm-hmm. that includes like, the the weird ending where like the third eye shows up and you get like a guitar sting like it was just like Row! and it's just yeah. like what is this like there's so many decisions where you're watching you're just like this is all of this is interesting like it's never boring for a minute um i, I think you're right that like if people are expecting this to be the next end game setup uh and they come in and they're like well this didn't i, I never saw the x-men i didn't see any well, right. i mean you do see professor x for sure uh in his like in the X-Men form that you would expect from the 90s TV mm-hmm. show, which is amazing. But uh, yeah, if you're going in thinking it's going to be a lot of that, then you might be a little disappointed. If you're going in, I feel like thinking this is a the next Doctor Strange movie. I feel like it's a huge step up from yeah, the yeah, original yeah. Doctor Strange. My, my only, the only thing I still have a, a slight gripe about, and I had this in the theater and I didn't, I don't think I brought it up in the episode, but the, for some reason, the fact that all the characters on Titan in the in the eight three eight universe, when they're on Titan, they've defeated Thanos. That they're all wearing the exact same clothes that they're wearing the day that Doctor Strange also shows up to the Illuminati mm-hmm. was like weird to me, and it kind of it gave off a vibe of like we've only got these actors for today, so we have to <laughs> film everything here, and just like I know that like you know it's it's like. It's uh, Mr. Fantastic's like Fantastic Four suit. It's Monica Rambeau's Captain Marvel and and Captain Carter suit. But that like Professor X is wearing the exact same blazer as he, <laughs> you know, like it's just like it it rubbed me as like, look, we've only got a certain amount of time with these actors. Let's just get it all mm-hmm. done now. And I was just like, I like there's something about it that kind of felt cheap almost. Yeah. And that's like, I'm, that's my, if like, that's my primary gripe with the movie, then, you mm-hmm. know, I think it's, that's a pretty good thing, but. Well, if you go back and watch the X-Men animated series, Professor X is always wearing the same suit. In that huh? one too, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. So maybe that is his suit with what he considered. It's, it's only, like a titanium. Well, also like titanium he's running a school. It's not like he's made of money. Right. So he's maybe that's only got true. the one suit. So yeah, that was his Monday suit. He just happened to be, oh, like, he went there on, on Monday, the man. same day that they defeated Thanos. Yeah rough (laughs) that's a a couple of big mondays for (laughs) professor xavier yeah mondays am i right (laughs) including all episodes of x-men the animated series taking place on monday as well (laughs) i can't that's that's the day it came out (laughs) i can't catch a break um the other movie i don't know if this counts as a movie but uh i watched uh, hannah gatsby's uh stand-up special nanette on netflix Hmm. and you've heard of it i have not oh you have sorry Yeah, I hadn't heard of it until uh, I was over at a friend's house and uh, she sort of forced me to watch it because she also heard I hadn't watched it. So it's really good. And like, it's not a atypical stand up set because, you know, she tells jokes and she goes into, you know, the sort of like 
joke structure of telling a story and then ending with a punchline. But for like a good more than half of it, it's not a joke set. Like she's telling real stories. She's having this kind of like identity crisis of like whether or not she still wants to do stand-up because so much of what her stand-up is is like uh, self-inflicting you know, like punchlines, like it's all like directed at her and and kind of degradating her. And she's like, that's not doing my story, the kind of service that it deserves because I'm making my story into jokes. Mm -hmm. And so when I tell my story, it's always, I'm making it lighter on the audience by making it into a joke. And that's not me giving the kind of respect that's due to these stories. So she tells a lot of like really hard to hear stories that are not, punctuated with a joke with a punchline at the end it's just like this is the story and she purposely makes the audience sit with the uncomfortableness of what happened in the story mm-hmm. and so for you know if, it, if you're going into it expecting it to be this like ah uproarious like you know uh stand-up set it's really funny in parts too so like she you know she she is a great joke teller but also a great storyteller at the same time so mm-hmm. It seems like a lot of successful comedies are doing something similar to that. It, it just like telling a, telling a bit of a story and, and opening up right. as a comedian about kind of what their life is like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, but I, I haven't watched, I think, either of these, but uh, I think Amy Sedaris did one mm-hmm. uh, similar to that. And then Bo Burnham did one uh, kind of like that. Oh, did you watch the inside thing that he did? I didn't. Recently. That's the one that I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. That one was. It's. Uh, that's unlike anything I've I've seen in in standups because it's obviously not in front of an audience or anything. So, mm-hmm. it's great. But yeah, it is very. You're right. It's like a very much like it feels like it's a new, maybe not new, but like a thing that's happening in, in a lot of comedy sets where it's just like I'm going to tell you a story and there may not be a joke here, and in Hannah Gatsby's, uh, in what she does, it's it's very much not a joke. It's just, I'm telling you the story and I'm telling you up front, no punchline. Yeah, I feel like there's, I'm looking up Anna Gatsby. Oh, did, maybe this is who I was thinking of. And maybe this is the one that I, I did see. When did this come out? Um, Good question. I, I feel like I might've seen this one and this, I was actually just thinking like there was another, uh, comedian who uh was telling some very serious stories 2018 Uh, okay i think this is probably the other one that i was thinking of okay Uh, so i guess it's not as as widespread as i was thinking but still there's there's three examples of yeah of uh comedians going a bit serious and Mm -hmm. it working out for them like having having it open up i think uh they do say that also that comedians often make really good actors just because like comedy is one of the hardest things to do Mm -hmm. and also it's very um like in order to make something funny i think you have to understand it and so like comedians i think have a pretty good understanding of the world often like a better understanding than some people because they've really like broken it apart and found out uh what makes it push which buttons right like Mm -hmm. why 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 does this some why does this affect people in a certain way because that's what they're looking for kind of like an effect on the audience seeing you know what's gonna make them uncomfortable enough to laugh or make that resonate with them enough to make them laugh or you know what what have they experienced in their life in order to make this kind of jump out as as being something that's humorous Mm -hmm. so it's a weird thing to understand so i I do think comedians are really good at that kind of max much like a lot of stand-ups good observation (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh hilarious too yeah so <laughs> funny so funny my, dude <laughs> my new stand-up is uh just critiquing uh what stand-up is in general uh let's move on to some tv shows we've seen tv shows we've seen we've seen let's get that robert in here robert go ahead Hey guys, this is Robert with the TV hey shows Robert. we've seen segment. Hi Robert, what's uh, going on? The main thing I have watched since we last spoke was the final two episodes of Stranger Things Season 4, mm. Part 2, uh, final two episodes. Um, I won't say too much detail uh, since people are still watching this and fairly long, so I wouldn't be shocked if people were waiting to, to binge it all or, or knock it out after this weekend um, or the last weekend it came out. 
But um, I think they did a pretty good job. I feel like they, for the most part, they stuck the landing. Um, I think it's a, a good Land- uh, place to sort of set up. Robert, shut up for a second. What'd you say, Max? <laughs> the landing for this season, right? There's still another season. Yeah, coming. there's still one more, I think. Okay. Just, just trying to clarify yeah. that. Okay, Robert, continue. The final season, the fifth and final season. Oh, if you just uh, waited. <laughs> I think there were some good character moments. Again, Robert, I'm being we kind just of vague, covered this. but um, I do think there's like some, really, some really fun um, moments with uh, some new and old characters alike. Um, especially the last 30 minutes or so, it kind of sort of wrapping things up after things calm down a bit. And just prior to that, there's sort of a, a bit of a showdown that um, I really enjoyed the way all the threads kind of came together. It made it very satisfying and very epic. Um, so I was excited for that. And I'm excited to see um, how they wrap it all up. I know that there is supposed to be a time jump. And I think part of that is, you know, this season was filmed, you know, a little ways back anyway, or at least portions of it. So naturally, uh, the the cast is going to be a bit older when they get started on the next one. Makes sense to kind of do a little leap ahead, um, but should be cool. I'm I was I was happy with this season overall, and so I'm excited to see how they wrap it all up. And that's basically what I've seen for TV. Max, what have you seen? Uh, I've seen one of those two Stranger Things episodes. Uh, so I appreciate that he didn't uh, go into more spoilers than he did. But I do know that there's a showdown and then a calm after the storm. So oh, God. I'm probably not even going to watch it now that no, I know that. No, there's no point. <laughs> after he spoiled it for me like that. Uh, I've been liking it. I've been liking this season. Uh, it's always fun. And it's got its issues. I think I went into some of them, like repeating uh, certain things, especially the clues that they, they run into. But, um, yeah, so far, so good. Uh, keep up the good work, Deffer Brothers. Uh, Max, I, I think finished... you got that confused with a Boardwalk Empire. Am I right, Andrew? <laughs> a good one, Robert. <laughs> oh, my God, a zing. <laughs> oh, even when he's not here. <laughs> you can still feel his presence, even when he's not here. Still feel the sting. Step into the ring. <laughs> Uh, I also watched uh, the end of Station Eleven. I think I talked about this before, but I forgot to mention that Lori Petty is in this. That uh, you know, Tank Girl herself. Oh, and, cool! Uh, she, she's from um, a league of her own, a league of their own, league of their own. Yeah, I, I, I was trying to think because she's like in an episode of of Star Trek Voyager, and I was trying to think if I'd seen her anytime since that. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. that episode of Voyager is probably in like. 99 or 2000 or something so like i was like i just don't know if i've seen her in something station 11 station 11 there it is yeah it's good stuff i'm looking forward to watching more of that show uh yeah yeah really enjoy it and then i've been uh watching some boys boys the boys the boys which features a a character from the movie that we're or an actor from the movie that we're going to talk about later uh a train a train is in uh i was gonna say alien resurrection but that's not the movie that we watched i, I have almost season. called it resident evil resurrection like four <laughs> times today so maybe it should uh, come up with a less generic name yeah but the the boys i think is pretty great it's it's got some childish stuff in it sure. which by childish i mean like ultra mature mm-hmm. <laughs> funny how the two of those things go so so closely together but it's um, gory as hell right i've seen like parts of the first season and yeah it's got like dumb uh sex stuff in it too where it's just like oh this is check out this orgy check out this this person spanking this person or whatever i don't know okay all right (laughs) (laughs) all right check it out this is in season three maybe i'll skip around yeah I, i remember reading something about how they had to build some like giant dick for the for one of the scenes that they did and they're like Uh it's all practical and stuff but um uh and it really undercuts what i'm about to say but i think it's a very smart show (laughs) 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 i think they do a good job of roasting certain things about uh politics about celebrity about uh american culture i suppose um I, i think it does a really good job but there are certain parts there's like 
a pageant that happens in one of the scenes and there are some rallies that happen and just just like a news anchor that they put on mm-hmm. that you're just like i know exactly what you're doing here and it's fucking hilarious yeah <laughs> great job keep it up um it's hard for me to recommend it to everyone right like yeah. there are certain things where i'm like you would get a kick out of this but would you get a kick out of it after you know some five bodies were were turned into a puff of red like you know blood spray going on and entrails falling out mm-hmm. and, uh the aforementioned orgy scenes with with 10 foot tall dicks and like all of that stuff can i just say like mom check it out <laughs> um so i don't know it's weird but i i do think it does a good job of what it's doing i also think that uh that bill the the butcher um would not be he would not be very tolerable if it weren't Carl Urban. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That guy's got a lot of charisma that really like those lines coming out of somebody else would be obnoxious. And they still are a little bit in intentionally. So, but, um, but I think Carl Urban does a great job. Also the guy who plays Homelander, I cannot imagine seeing him in anything else because I, he does such a good job. He's such a bastard. Yeah. That like, yeah, I just, I feel like I would, I would see it. I, I, I suspect anything that he he did. Mm-hmm. If he was the the caring father, yeah. I would just be like, "What's what's no going way. on? When, when's the turn going to happen?" Can't handle it. Um, how's my how's my guy Jensen Eccles in it? Uh, remind me who Jensen. He's a soldier boy. Soldier boy, tell him. Soldier boy is great. Yeah, I yeah. So I haven't seen the last episode. I don't know if it's. I think it's coming out this Friday. So it's not totally out. But uh, yeah, great stuff with Jensen Eccles. I think he's doing a fantastic job. Another good job of like skewering um, the uh, American culture, specifically like the, the superhero wars between DC and Marvel, right? Yeah. And it, they, this is, so uh, Homelander is on the DC side and most of like season one is just, okay, you got your Superman stand-in, you got a Batman stand-in, a Wonder Woman stand-in and, and the Flash mm-hmm. and Aquaman and so, so forth, right? So uh, this season, they're bringing in the superhero team that used to be popular, right? Um, and this they relate to uh, the Marvel side. So you have uh, Soldier Boy, who is Captain America. Mm-hmm. And you have like, you know, some, some other ones that tie up. I think they have like a Scarlet Witch that he's dating and stuff like that. But uh, it's interesting kind of all of the things that they tie in because he, I don't want to give away too much. But sure. anyways... They, they tie in certain things with uh, the Winter Soldier story. They tie into some stuff with um, him being unfrozen from ice in a certain way. And just like, it's it's interesting. It doesn't like all match up one-to-one, but you can see where they're coming with it. And uh, yeah, Jensen Eccles does a great job of portraying kind of what if Captain America was... The- <laughs> Um, the American military that you might be more mm-hmm. familiar with right. rather than the ideal of the American military. Uh, and I, th- I think he does a great job. Cool. And I think they do a great job of good writing, good, uh, good delivery. Great. Yeah. Uh, what have, what are you seeing? That's all. That's all for me. The only thing I've been watching is monk. I've been rewatching monk, um, mm-hmm. with, uh, Adri- with Adrian monk, um, Adrian with, Brody. uh, Tony Shalhoub <laughs> as monk. And, Speaking uh, of men in black, I guess we weren't speaking of men in black <laughs> on the podcast, oh, but before the podcast, yeah, we were. real sneak peek. Um, it's, I mean, yeah, he's 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 great. He was Emmy nominated for a reason. It's like you know, um, I think like there's some there's some sort of like broad strokes being painted with the brush of a guy with like a mental disorder and like ADHD and obsessive compulsive disorder and all that stuff, where it's just like they're painting with a pretty broad, wide brush. And so like, you can kind of see like, yeah, you know, like this was obviously a show that was started in the mid two thousands when like that sort of subject matter was maybe handled with a little less, um, care than it probably would be if it were made now. But even still, he's great. You know, the show is, it's, you know, it's a, a murder of the week because he's always working in homicide. So it's typically murder of the week. You know, who did this thing? And the way he always figures it out is always an interesting, you know, scene and all that. And he's just a very, like, the 
the way he goes about stuff and his movements is always very fun to watch. But again, yeah, it's a little, maybe a little tactless in the way it portrays people with um, OCD and other various ailments that he suffers from. But, you know, it's, again, it's of its time and it, you know, I think we're, again, we're made today. It'd probably be a little more tactful, but regardless, fun watch. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. But do you think it's it's like for fans of Sherlock or fans of Psych, it's kind of up a similar vein? Yeah, it yeah. It was. I mean, it was like kind of the first USA um, when they were kind of hitting in their like in that like you know like Psych um, suits and you know all these like these shows that were like at the time huge primetime hits. Monk was kind of the first one of that ilk where like it was like oh we've got like good shows over here. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I think Monk was kind of the first one, and then came Psych, and then all the rest of them kind of came after that, where it's just like, oh, we can actually make good, like, pretty good, interesting, fun television shows. And, and USA was famous for a long time of having only blue sky television, which is, like, it can't be too depressing. Like, everything has to mm-hmm. kind of wrap mm-hmm. up nicely. For the most part, you don't want to leave the episode feeling bad or sad, even though, like, Adrian Monk the the driver of his character is that his wife is killed before the series starts. And so <clears throat> there are some episodes that end on him just being sad about his wife being dead. And it's just like, there's no joke. There's no punchline. There's not somebody being like, ah, cheer up, buddy. It's just like, he's looking at a picture of his wife or remembering his wife and it's sad. And then credits rolling. You're just like, oh God, that was, that was really mm-hmm. sad. This poor guy. But Yeah. Fun show. Anyways, <laughs> You'll I love, love I love watching him suffer. Um, <laughs> anyways, let's talk about the movie we watched for today. Just in time for the July 4th holiday, we watched Independence Day Resurgence. Yeah, maybe Requiem. Uh, Something. Re- yeah. Resident, uh, Resident Evil. Independence Day, the second one. And the sparks between us look just like the 4th of July. Yep. Uh, Independence Day resurgence. I, I confirmed on uh, Wikipedia. This is a sequel to Independence Day from 1996. Came out in 2016. Starring... It's also known as ID5. ID5. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, why was the first one called ID4? Because it came out on the 4th of July, I'm guessing. That's that's the only thing I can think 4th of. 4th of July is never called Independence Day 4. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, Liam Hemsworth, Jeff Goldblum, Bill Pullman, Malika Monroe, Jesse Usher, William Finchner, Charlotte Gainsbourg, Judd Hirsch, Brent Spiner, and the rest of the crew. Um, Vivica Fox, barely yeah. in this movie. Um. Before we get into the uh, things we feel about this movie, would you recommend people rent this movie or watch it on demand? No. Me neither. <laughs> Me neither. Uh, should I go into some more uh, depth? On- no, yeah, we don't have to. I mean, let, let's uh, let's get Robert's initial thoughts first before we uh, go into exactly what uh, we thought about this or does he not i thought he sent in a you know what fuck it i don't care (laughs) oh here it is here it is robert go ahead all right here are my initial thoughts uh for independence day resurgence not the first time i've seen this but it's been a while and um i wish i could say i enjoyed it more on the uh, on an additional watch but um Definitely doesn't reach the heights of the original Independence Day for me. Or Baz Luhrmann's um, Elvis. I do think uh, <laughs> in, it would have been nice to have Will Smith's character back instead of uh, dying in a television clip, you know, trying out a, a test plane. Um, kind of lame. I don't know what was going on behind the scenes that he didn't want to return because uh, more than a few of the other original cast members did come back. But um, And I don't know if it would have been enough to to save it, but... It definitely feels like a downgrade to have, um, you know, his his son be the lead along with a lot of other folks that just, I don't know, they weren't jumping off the screen for me. And I feel like more than a few of them were sort of turning in a bland performance. Um, 
So yeah, a bit of a a bit of a disappointment. I unless you're a uh, an Emmerich completist, I, I don't know if you need to seek this one out. And it's definitely not a great sequel to uh, the original, which I still think is is pretty fun. Didn't realize that uh, Robert was such a huge Will Smith fan that that's what really ruined the movie for him. I, you know, I was thinking so. So Will Smith, um, I did look it up. The reason why he wasn't in this movie was twofold, which is one, they weren't going to pay him enough. And two, his, uh, scheduling was in the way he was filming Suicide Squad. So he couldn't couldn't do mm, both at the same yeah. time. And I don't know that he picked the worst project. I mean, like, <laughs> it's a real uh, Sophie's Choice of Bad Movies there. I, um, you know, like, I watching it, it's, it, it's the worst kind of legacy sequel. Because it doesn't, like, and again, I haven't seen the first one in a while. But it sort of feels like... One, I, I it's been 20 years since Independence Day. This movie didn't do that well. Like it's, you know, like its budget was like almost 200 million. I think it made over 300 million. So it's not like it was a disaster, but it also wasn't like a, you know, runaway. Yes, you know, second Independence Day. That it was 20 years later. And like, it's just like it it doesn't seem to care about the first movie all that much, which like if your audience and you don't care that much about the first movie, then why are you making a second one? Mm -hmm. And you know, like it's, it's the, you know, it's the same thing of like bringing Jeff Goldblum back for the Jurassic park movies, the Jurassic world movies when it's like Jeff Goldblum has carved out this niche for himself of being like the most interesting person on camera in like the world's history. Mm hmm. And to bring him back to be, like, kind of neurotic Dr. You know, David and, like, oh, he just kind of, like, makes funny comments every once in a while. And then, like, he's relegated to driving a bus in the desert for the, like, last, like, half of the movie. And it's just, like, I, it just, you know, and then, like, there are characters, for instance, we mentioned Vivica Fox. She's killed off in the most anticlimactic matter possible, which is mm -hmm. the aliens come. They blow up a hospital. She's in a helicopter. She falls out of the helicopter into the burning building. And then it's just the kid who's supposed to be her and Will Smith's kid goes, oh, no, mom. And then, like, she's dead. And it's just like, that's it's, it? It's especially confusing because he has a plane to save her. <laughs> he just watches. And, and he watches. He goes, he goes, finds another plane and says, hey, you guys go and save her. Rather than, like, saving her himself. Mm -hmm. And then watches when she doesn't get saved and he's just like man there's nothing i could have done he's just yeah he's that. just sitting there watching you're going hey pull her up come on like yeah, what are you guys doing on. over there and just like what are you doing buddy like say go save that, your mom it was pretty confusing i think maybe his his point wasn't set up for it but it just seems it seems it was in it was an unsave mode it could there was no way he could switch it quick enough to go save his mom and it was in the middle of like two other parents also dying. Like everyone at that moment is finding out that their parent dies. And so I'm yeah. so confused. Like, why is, why are they doing, <laughs> why are they doing it this way? Although one of them, it turns out didn't die. Jeff Goldblum's dad made it out of it. Yeah. Judd but, Hirsch is in this movie and his primary thing to do in this movie is to drive a bunch of kids around. Like they, they sort of find him like halfway through the movie. And then for like 45 minutes of this movie, he's just in a car with these kids, Joey King and uh, McKenna Grace from yeah, exactly. uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. <laughs> um, but I was just like, that's, that's why they brought Judd Hirsch back was to just like be in a car and like, like with a bunch of complaining kids. Like that's, I mean, they had that group of, of uh, kids on a road trip in the first movie too. So I wonder if they they felt like that was like a legacy callback of um, uh, another person who didn't. Well, he didn't come back because he died in the the first one. Um, Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid. That's right. Yeah. Was oh, he the dad of uh, the other Quaid? The Quaid that's in the boys? Uh, no, that's Dennis Quaid's kid, Jack Quaid. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, I get my Quaids. Yeah. Mixed up. Randy's been to jail confused. a bunch of times. <laughs> But anyway, they had a they had the group of, of kids who were uh, either orphaned at the beginning of it right. or by the end of the movie orphaned uh, who were on a road trip in an RV mm -hmm. or bus. Um, it's also weird to me that they had a bus uh, spewing out uh, 
fossil fuels when they also have these like anti-grav uh, <laughs> right. like planes flying around and they use them like billboards everywhere mm-hmm. and stuff like that everything's flying except for these buses are still chugging around the exact same yellow school buses that you remember mm-hmm. uh it's it was weird to me that they jumped so far into the future of the original one and kind of like they also say a lot of things that don't match up with what they are like oh yeah the the whole world like kind of has been at peace for Mm -hmm. for 20 years since uh they like came together for these aliens and then they go to africa where there's a warlord who's been ruling this like the his entire country hasn't let anyone in and uh has been battling these aliens by himself and stuff and i was like this doesn't seem like the cohesion that you talked about earlier uh and they they just brought in his son right the the, the warlord was replaced by his son mm-hmm. uh who who's just there to hold some machetes and say like hit him from the back and then right like, like he, he's a ruler of this country but just kind of hanging out in the background with the lawyer who gets equal if not more screen time more than screen him. time definitely more screen time <laughs> more screen time to like i'm so surprised that that lawyer also so made it through when i saw mm-hmm. him i was like oh this guy's gonna be eaten by a dinosaur off of a uh in the outhouse right like this is they brought in the lawyer to be an asshole in order to kill him without you feeling bad about him no dying. no in fact he's the comic relief for the movie he's the oh, only, like yeah. and when i say he's the comic relief i mean he's the only character who makes any sort of like levity except brent spiner except brent spiner <laughs> who is the butt of everything <laughs> and as the, and the as one. the touted they like when this movie's being released, like the 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 company, Roland Emmerich, everybody was like, "Don't worry, everybody. There's an LGBTQ character in this movie, so you can all relax." And as it turns out, it's Brent Spiner, and he's the butt of every joke. Yeah, yeah. and like the only way you know he's gay is that at, like before his partner gets killed, they hold hands, and he goes, "Babe." And you're just like, <laughs> yeah. like that was like they're like, we've got a gay character, everybody. Like, give it up for us. We're going to include a gay relationship. And it's just like two dudes holding hands for like less than two seconds. And he's dying and they're making jokes. Even at that moment, I forget what it is, but he's like, Oh, your butt's hanging out. (laughs) And then he's like, Oh, you died. And I was like, was I supposed to, was I supposed to care about that death or what? What, what just happened? Yeah. That's weird. Um, uh, yeah, I cried really hard when it happened. Yeah, me too. It was really sad. It was really (laughs) sad. Um, should we get some of Robert's positives? For this movie? Uh, sure, yeah. We'll All right. I can't wait to hear some of these. So my positives for Independence Day Resurgence would be, um, I really like, you know, the tech. I think it's cool that, you know, since the initial attack in the first movie, that uh, America and the other, you know, countries have allied together. They've, um, you know, reverse engineered the weapons and technology to create, countries. you know, new types of planes and helicopters. Uh, and... <laughs> Uh, weapons that they can use and install on uh, the moon and further out in the solar system to protect the planet. Which all did um, jack shit. It does sort of feel <laughs> like, without changing a lot on their own end, the aliens that is, uh, they, they didn't didn't seem to give the humanity a huge leg up. Um, I feel like it didn't ultimately come out down to, um, you know, some so a lot of luck in some situations. And I feel like if the giant alien ship had crash a little closer to area 51 uh the whole movie would have been over <laughs> um but but i do like the look of it i think it all looks pretty good especially compared to the first one has a little a few moments of kind of funky cgi um i think goldblum's doing a fine job you know I, i'm happy that he had a big role he's um maybe not quite as charismatic as the original but i i liked seeing him this is robert loja's last film i believe it's dedicated to him so fun to see him in there um, and yeah, I think that ultimately, oh, I also think, uh, Bill Pullman, uh, even though he's kind of playing a disheveled version of the you know former president, uh, also good to see him kind of come back from the brink. Oh, and, um, what's his face? Uh, Data, I think is really good too. Brent Spiner, um, you mother... Brent Spiner. <laughs> um, uh, it, it, it's weird that me. they kind of retconned that he seemed pretty dead in the first one and then in this one they imply that he was just in a coma but um still still glad he was back especially since he's having such a good time in it most of the time so that's a highlight for me as well 
I I think like one of the one of the things that that did rub me the wrong way about especially the way that they're like all the countries have come together and you know the world the world's in is like united and blah 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 that primarily it's still America that's battling these aliens like it's it is mm-hmm. told through a strictly America lens it's America versus the aliens and there might be some some countries that send in a representative to help out like there's a Chinese lady can you believe the the diversity of this cast and then oh yeah, my this, god we should talk about that in a little bit but yeah finish your thought. but then like you know like you said the son of the African warlord and just like this is the way that Amer- like the world has become united is by sending rep- representatives to help America. The only, you know, the only kind co- and like they're the only, like it's, it, it's, you know, obviously all this is taking place above area 51 because there's a MacGuffin in this movie, which is a, an entirely new alien race. that's introduced in this movie. That is the main adversary to the independence day aliens, which is a V like an AI in a sphere. <laughs> That has a, you know, a, a home planet of its own that it's hiding from these aliens. And it's just like, what is fucking going on here? And so, like, especially at the end, especially at the end, because they're like, wow, we can't believe that you you like were able to handle this. And also we're only able to handle it because of this AI. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, but they're like, we can't believe that you were able to make this. You should lead the revolution. It's like, well, like, why? Like they, the humans couldn't do it without the alien technology and she's also like i'm the last of my kind but also there's a planet full of us that has like way more of us where where i'm training a whole army of people but i am the somehow the last of my kind i i don't know it seemed very weird that that they were then like this was the this was the secret to it but also humans are actually more of the secret to it right Uh, teach us your ways give us spears or knives or something and it was yeah because it's like She's like, we're, we're thousands of years more uh, advanced than you and, you know, your primitive language. And it's like, well, we didn't think about guns. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't think about using the aliens guns against them. Yeah. But. Oh my God. Teach us your, your vastly superior ways. Yeah. Did you, did you drive a bus? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, is that a <laughs> petrol powered vehicle? Um, okay. Let's get Robert's negatives out of the way. So my negatives for Independence Day Resurgence, uh, I mean, the whole movie was kind of underwhelming to me in general. I feel like it, it seemed like it was, you know, cutting to and splitting away from the different groups even more erratically and then, than the first movie. Um, I feel like all the Roland Emmerichs have, tend to have a, a big cast and usually, you know, trot, you know, trot around the globe jumping from people to people, but... Um, this one just wasn't working for me as much, especially the, the random boat of people that have to kind of spot the, the drill going down. Um, that just, that whole thing I feel like could have been probably could have been cut. Um, I also think it's weird to, I honestly think you could have just said this was a revenge movie and didn't have to have the, uh, plot line that they actually came to earth initially for. Uh, our molten lava core, our energy molten lava core that that gives them their energy. Um, so that was a, a weird choice as well. And like I said, I think you know who knows, but I really think Will Smith could have helped carry this along a lot more. <laughs> damn I think it, get him out of Will Smith. protecting his you know grown son and you know his his wife who's now uh, she had a doctor. Um, I just think there would have been a little bit more emotional heft to it because. You know, we like Jeff Goldblum, but he he's like the scientist guy and he's the one who figured it all out. But there wasn't as strong of a kind of emotional core, at least to me, with his character and uh, his relationship. So I feel like it would have would have done better to have Will Will back in there. But who, who, what do I know? Um, and then in general, Nothing. I just feel like in the, the grand scheme of Roland Emmerich movies, just not my favorite uh, of his stuff. I think, you know. Sometimes less is more. I think just blowing up the landmarks in the first one is so iconic. And then you get the kind of the cut to like everything blown away and destroyed the next day. And in this one, it's pulling entire cities into the sky and crashing them back down. And I just feel like, uh, too much, too much. I just, I, I think it was just too ridiculous. They're dodging, you know, landmarks as they're flying through the sky. It was all just a little too crazy for me. He's absolutely right about that. 
molten core subplot. It created just a completely like four useless characters that you yeah. had to cut to every like 10 minutes of the movie to be like two more hours, 10 more minutes, two more mm-hmm. minutes. And it's just like, who the fuck are these people? Why are we spending so much time with them? And like, he's right. It, it, it means much more if the movie is a revenge movie, which is the Queens coming back to avenge these other aliens that tried to destroy our planet. And we killed them. Then like, I, if they're also trying to get our molten core too. I think this harvest thing is just to, just for a sequel. And, and those oh, guys for also sure. make the idea of, Oh, we're so advanced. Now we got this alien technology and we're, we're all working together now. And then they're like, but we still have pirates that are, are searching for gold in the, in the ocean uh-huh. uh, that are like desperate for money uh, that like those guys didn't really sit either. I was like, what the, what the hell is going on? What I is al- this world that you created? I also forgot by the end that they were pirates. So when they screamed out, like after the drill stops mm-hmm. and they scream out, we're going to be rich. I was like, what the fuck are they getting rich off of? Like, what is that me? I just, I had forgotten. And like, you know, we talked about it before we got on pod, but like this movie is under two hours and like, it's too long at under two hours. But like mm-hmm. it's so bloated with characters and needless subplots that I had forgotten in that under two hours that those guys were there to get like treasure, yeah, and just it, happened to find an alien drill. To and, me, it's stuck in my in my craw because I'm like in general always upset with with money in the world. Yeah, and so the fact that they're like here, we've built a utopia where people are still fucking struggling for money. I'm like, all right, bullshit. Um, so yeah, to have those guys there uh, took me out of it a little bit. Well, that to me, that to me actually unnecessary. That to me actually rang the most true of what would happen if a, if we were to have some sort of alien technology utopia. There would still be people who got fucked over because the the rich and the powerful would be the ones who would benefit the most. I guess that's true. And the the person who was saying that it was a utopia was the ex president, the president, right? yeah, in, in the narrator. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Uh, uh, I guess that does ring a bit true, but it. I guess it um, went against what he said, which is fine yeah. for the movie to do. If that's the point of it, I don't think that was the point of it though. Um, I think also Robert was right on about uh, a couple of things. The, the cast was too big and the action was too big. And that like a lot of times people think that that's going to somehow make it better, but it gives you less connection to mm-hmm. any one thing. Right. And um, like, there are about 15 main characters in this one and each one of them is threatened in several ways that you, that like in the middle of the movie, okay, they're dodging. Like you've got, you've got two main characters. They're actors, you know, you know, they're going to make it to the end of the movie. They're the main cast and uh, they're flying through a storm. Are they going to get hit by this piece of debris? Are they going to get hit by this other thing that has no impact to the story? Are they going to like, there is nothing on the line there. You know mm-hmm. for sure they're just going to fly right past it. You know how it's going to happen. Like before the, the thing's over, there's about five minutes where you're just watching where you know, okay, they're going to go left. They're going to go right. They're going to go down. They're going to go under. Mm-hmm. They're going to flip over. Why are you showing me this scene? And a lot of big blockbusters do that where it's just like, there is no point to this. scene. I remember it standing out a lot in Tomb Raider where it was just like, oh, you're wa- you are Laura, Laura Croft. You're walking across this plane wing. Are you going to slip and fall? <laughs> We're 45 minutes into it. Are you going to slip and fall? Are you mm-hmm. going to die? You're going to fall to your death right now? No. Why the fuck are you spending this, you know, two and a half minutes slowly, carefully walking across this thing as if it's somehow going to be the thing that does you in as the main character to the movie? I'm sure, you, you know, you got to pat out the movie, but there's got to be better ways to do it. Than yeah. this. And I, I felt it in this one, too. Where like several times where where they're like, did these guys make it out of the ship alive? I was like, yeah, they did. Okay, five seconds later, yeah, they made it out. Woohoo! Um, but uh, and and then the the big action, right? Like everything got got up to notch of ten, right? Like, uh, oh, that that ship was ten kilometers wide. This one's a hundred kilometers wide. Can you believe it? It's so big. You think um, that ship was big? Wait until you see the queen that was inside of this ship somehow that's a thousand feet tall it's just like how was she oh my uh, yeah, I yeah have, big, I, it's that whole bigger is better thing yeah um i will say one thing that constantly made me laugh was that liam hemsworth could not keep track of his accent throughout this movie <laughs> yeah. whatsoever like every once like, he's supposed to be just like 
I forget what the character's name, but just, you know, like Charlie, U.S., you know, pilot. But every once in a while, he'd slip in, uh, you know, his, his accent, and he'd say something, you know, like, it's like, I don't, like, yeah. one, he probably doesn't care. Two, it's just like, <laughs> it just is like every once in a while, and it might, it might just be part of how he speaks, and he just can't help it, but like every once in a while, you can just hear it. I'm like, is he supposed to be Australian yeah. here, or is he just like, you know, like, it's the same thing, like, it happens with, um, especially early on with Ben Cumberbatch playing Doctor Strange, you can kind of hear that he's got mm-hmm. an accent in certain things. And maybe if another Independence Day movie comes out, it'll be perfect by then. Yeah. Hopefully. Uh, I feel like they got to they gotta do that second take or something. Maybe the, the person who's in charge of that yeah. is also Australian's like, sounds, yeah. sounds fine to sounds me. Sounds great to me. And I, I mean, it's just, it's really, it's, it's especially evident when he gets introduced in the movie, like he's given some, you know, speech to like his friend and it's just like, it's wavering in and out, you know, just like, he's like, American, 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 Australian, Australian, American, Australian, American, Australian. It's just like, what the fuck is happening with his voice? Is there a point for him to be American either? No. Australian, no problem. It would also, it would also kind of like lend to the fact that like the whole world became united and like, we even have an Australian guy in the U S you know, military or something where it's like, yeah, of course you do. But like it, like there's no reason to make him, you know, John, John Smith, American, uh, pilot yeah. hero it uh, this it's weird because like this movie was also made for an international audience meaning that it was like made for china yeah. right like they added the that the chinese pilot who who gets like very few lines maybe three or four throughout the entire movie well her whole like her whole reason to exist is to be that one guy's love interest yeah yeah and then her dad is also in it and then like um at one point they're communicating uh, from the earth to the moon using QQ, which I don't know if you know this, but this is like the Chinese um, Facebook essentially. Oh, really? Facebook is not allowed over in China. So QQ is legitimately what they, what they use over there uh-huh. as kind of a, a social media app. And so like very obviously when they're signing off, they're like, okay, I'll, I'll call you on QQ some other time and like mention it specifically by name and show like the logo for it. And I was like, God damn, like this one was made for China. Uh, like, I, I don't know if they got money for it or if they I'm were sure just they expecting, did. expecting that international uh, thing to come in. And I also wonder if that's why this is uh, like flat out speculation. But if that's why Brent Spiner in his hospital gown was also wearing underwear to not show his butt crack. Right. Uh, and also why or- it's like barely two seconds of like two men touching skin so they can either very easily edit it out for the yeah. Chinese market or just be like, they can excuse it away because it's just like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it felt a little bit weird doing, doing that. And then like, like you say, it's also very American centric when it's not uh, like pandering to China. Mm-hmm. It's very American centric, but the first movie was the same way too. It's funny because like they, the America comes up with the solution of, oh yeah, they're sending this code and they're doing this thing. We have to get the information out. And they, they send the information to like, there is a desert field that's full of uh, fighter pilots from every other country that yeah. they could think of, right? That are just hanging out there, just like being grumpy with each other until they can get together because America- Waiting for America action. to unite them. <laughs> yes. It's so stupid. I feel, I, I'm kind of surprised that, uh, I mean, I think it's nostalgia, but Robert just rewatched it and mm-hmm. still thinks that it's so great and still thinks that Will Smith is going to save this next movie. Again, this is why he bailed on the show. This is why he didn't want, he didn't want to face this. <laughs> he can't back it up. Will Smith throughout the first movie, all he does is deliver one-liners that are so fucking corny, like, oh, does this thing come with airbags or like mm-hmm. whatever? And then he hits things, which is very funny now, like after the Oscars, seeing Will Smith wow. just like knocking people around. He slapped wow. the alien in the first one. Exactly. It, I knew I'd like seen that? that swing somewhere before. And then I, I think I think they mentioned it a couple other times how, how he's like hit somebody else. And then his son in this new movie mm-hmm. uh, slaps Liam Hemsworth in the face. Yeah. It's just can't like avoid it. Like son. Can't avoid yeah. it. Um, yeah, I, I like, I have no nostalgia for the first movie. Like, it's not something I hold dear to me. Mm-hmm. Even then watching the sequel, I was like, this is so bad and like 
disappointing somehow. Like I was just like, I, it's like I was watching it and the way that you felt about, you remember when we were in the car driving home from gods of Egypt and you're like, I don't know if we can do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's how I was yeah. feeling like halfway through this movie. I was just like, I don't like him fucking watch things like this anymore. Like I just have so <laughs> little, like, like our time on earth, it feels like is rapidly coming to a close. And it's just like, I don't, am I going to spend any more of my life watching a movie like this? And I was just like, fuck, like there's too much good stuff out there for me to be like spending two hours in the afternoon watching Independence it's, Day Resurgence. It's funny that there's this apocalyptic movie, right? That's maybe supposed to make you feel that way. Yeah. Of like, oh, things could come to an end at any point. Uh, like, I need to spend my time wisely. And, but you're actually getting it because you shouldn't be spending it watching. <laughs> right. Yeah. Watch. Like, and this, this movie is like, it takes a huge swing at the end, which is like, we're getting a sequel. And yeah, we're setting it absolutely. up here, which is like mm-hmm. the spheres like, wow, teach us your ways. Let's go fight the aliens at their home. And then like, it's just, it credits roll. It's just like, let's take the fight to them. Yeah. And it's just like, that's like, that's, I mean, they called their shot. They'll give them yeah. some, some, you know, credit. It's now been six years and there's no, there's like absolutely zero rumors about like a sequel coming. Anything like that. I mean, I guess it could be another 20 years. You never know. Yeah, that's what I, it's the same cadence. It's going to be a little, little while before we hear about that. Right. But, um, one thing I guess I should have some positives. I didn't really think about <laughs> saying anything positive. I don't have anything positive to say about this movie. <laughs> I do think that the fact that they did take that swing and that they like jumped forward so far and said, "Okay, here's like all this alien tech." It's weird, and it's not what I would have expected from an Independence Day sequel. And I think. I appreciate that to hmm. some extent. The fact that they were just like, oh yeah, now we have anti-gravity. Now we have all this stuff. Let's go with, you know, what what we would have done if we were cleaning out those uh, ships and like able to get that alien technology. Although it's kind of weird because uh, in the first movie, you haven't seen it in a while, so you might not remember this, mm-hmm. but Brent, Spiner char- Brent Spiner's character is basically at Area 51 and research has been researching for 40 years the alien technology that landed in the 50s, right? Mm-hmm. When Independence Day happens, at some point there's the reveal um, that, oh, those things that you hear, those conspiracy theories about aliens, it's actually true that these guys visited earlier and one of their ships crashed. And that's the ship that they're able to fly back up into it. But, but for 40 years, he wasn't able to do anything with that alien tech. And so like h- having the aliens crash and everything shut like basically it turns back on because the aliens come in and they got that hive mind thing Mm -hmm. that like the ship by itself just ends up turning back on and they're like we're getting a ton of data from it now even though we weren't able to for 40 years that if they then cause it to collapse and everything shuts down again like you think they would be stuck back in there where it'd be 40 years before the next like you know like like they can't do anything with it at that point but uh, apparently they were able to um grab it and and modify all their helicopters to work with alien tech and make mm-hmm. it to the moon and have a colony up there and and communicate via uh space qq and stuff but um but i i think it was an interesting way to go with it i wouldn't have wanted to see another 90s um independence day just a second one of those yeah i think the so, i um I'll, okay brief brief positive when the queen emerges from the ship, she's a million feet tall and she has a giant plasma rifle, her size plasma rifle. I was like, okay, this is pretty funny. Like I, I got a good <laughs> laugh out of that. It looks so hilarious. stupid. <laughs> like, Why did she have that fucking gun? <laughs> but the fact that she has a gun that's like itself, like the size of area 51 at her size. I was just like, this is so stupid. And like, it's not done for laughs. Like it's clearly that they meant for her to be like menacing and look at her giant gun. And just like, this looks so stupid. And like, it's, it's worse than like anything they could have cooked up for like fighting a giant alien in like halo. Like it just looks, it looks so bad. There's a bunch of scenes where like, you know, they're in the hangar or something. And like, uh, the president's daughter comes running after the president 
and it's very clearly this is done in front of a green screen and they were not on set for like any sort of like, you know, hangar bay or anything. I was just like, this looks so fucking bad. Like it's, this is like TV cheap special effects bad. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, let's get to some final <laughs> thoughts. Robert, uh, you, you can kick us off with these final thoughts. To sum it all up, I would say uh, an unfortunate uh, sequel to Independence Day definitely didn't reach the heights of the original for me. He loves these uh, fucking I think movies. I mentioned in my intro, but unless you're a completist or doing the director's filmography, I feel like this is a one you can skip. Just put on the original instead if you need alien, aliens fighting each other. Um, yeah, just kind of a, a bit of a bummer. Happy belated fourth. Uh, sorry for suggesting this. <laughs> That's and, what we've been um, waiting for. Hey, That's what I've been waiting for. Us. <laughs> and uh, it would have been great if Will Smith was in it. <laughs> yeah. Final thought. Where's my Will Smith? Uh, any final thoughts, Max, before we go? Uh, despite the fact that I ragged on it entirely, if they do a jump of uh, another 20 years and come back and have some like even fucking more batshit crazy uh, tech and weird future stuff. I would be interested in seeing how stupid the next one is, I guess. Uh, I, I don't know if I would want to put in two hours, like you say. Yeah. But I'm, I would be curious of reading a synopsis of what the next yeah. one would be. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sort <laughs> so of, if they want to, if they want to put in, uh, like, $200 million into me reading a synopsis. Of <laughs> so you can read a Wikipedia article. <laughs> <laughs> we did it guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess like with the mention of Will Smith, it is worth mentioning. I think Robert did bring it up, but like they kill him off screen. Like he died like nine years ago in Canon. And it's very weird to me that you, you set yourself up for a sequel and the biggest star of the franchise is Will Smith. And you choose to unceremoniously kill him off screen instead of saying like, you know, he was piloting one of these alien ships and it like went awry and he's lost in space or something. It's so like when you do the third movie, if you ever mm-hmm. get a third movie, that you can kind of set up that he's out there somewhere and he may return back to them or like he got kidnapped by the aliens or something. Just to like set up that, let's say that like in a couple of years when they do get the sequel made, Will Smith's a little more open to being in the movie and you can bring him back instead of let's, just yeah, saying like he fucking died say, on accident. His career has hit a bit of rocky waters <laughs> and he needs something to bring it back. <laughs> let's say that. Yeah, one what could happen in that sort of thing. But it's, it was such a weird decision to just be like, no, fuck him, he died. I guess they just felt like they needed the uh, the dead daddy issues on the kid. But like something. it didn't matter to him. Like he didn't like you know. I think like we you know like he doesn't. Other than, like, when his mom dies for, like, two seconds, he's a little upset. I mean, they barely even mention his dad. Like, it feels like such a fuck you to Will Smith. You don't want to be in our fucking movie? Fine. Here's how little you matter to us. And it's just, like, this feels vindictive and vengeful in that way, where it's just, like, he barely gets mentioned. He has a, like... Robert said he dies on TV. They only, I think they only say it. And there's just like a photograph of him on the wall. And it's just like, remember mm-hmm. when your dad died? And it's just like, okay. Like the trauma that, that, uh, his son seems to be going through is that Liam Hemsworth character almost killed him previously. Mm-hmm. That seems mm-hmm. to be the main thing for him. And so like, that's true. Anyways, bad movie, really <laughs> bad movie. Um, check it out. Check it out. Yeah. Go ahead. Check it out. It's on demand. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> all right everybody that'll do it we'll see you next time bye-bye bye